Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Welcome back in. Tapped out here on the BetQL Network. It is indeed fight week. UFC 270 on tap. And nobody better to talk about it than the play-by-play voice of the UFC, John Anik. And, John, I saw a tweet that you sent out earlier today about that uh, Calvin Cater fight where Cater landed, what was it, 144 significant strikes. Max landed 445 significant strikes on Cater. First of all, was that right? 300 more? And does that mean that we still underrate Max Holloway? So the holloway Cater fight, of course, was a full year ago. And I was just pointing out the fact that Max, when he fought Calvin Cater, landed 300 more significant strikes than Calvin Cater landed this past weekend against Giga Chikadze in a fight in which he was super busy and landing essentially the entire time. So what Max Holloway did a year ago, I was sort of looking to highlight that because it's the greatest singular performance that I feel like I've ever seen from an individual in the UFC. Um, but not to take anything away from what Calvin did, I just think what Max did a year ago, he he set two records that I think are so beyond the stratosphere that they will never be broken. And I feel pretty convicted in saying that. One of the things that I was uh, worried about going into that, John, was like, how is that Max Holloway fight going to affect Calvin? And I knew he took a year off, but like, you never know if anybody's going to be the same after a fight like that. Were you surprised with how good he looked? It, it was incredible. Yes. I mean, even as a native Bostonian, you know, he exceeded my expectations for sure. You know, that fight a year ago, it was our first UFC fight night on ABC. Cater was headlining against the consensus greatest featherweight of all time in Max Holloway, and it was 25 minutes of hell for Cal, even though he got some things done and landed, you know, over 100 significant strikes in his own right. But I can't ever recall Dana White being so concerned for a fighter's well-being after a fight than on that fateful night in Abu Dhabi. So to fast forward a year later for him to come through as a pretty significant underdog against a guy in Shikadze who was 7-0 in the UFC, uh, who figured to have some advantages in a straight kickboxing match, um, it was an incredible performance. And I just think it speaks to Cater and his team and how tough and how good and how disciplined they are. And um, just earning it every day, you know, it sounds trite, rent is due every day. Um, but those guys really subscribe to that methodology and uh, the proof's in the pudding. You mentioned underdog. There's not really one coming up in the main event of UFC 270. The big boys go at it. Cyril Ghan taking on Francis Ngannou. Is this the ultimate even fight? Because I'm going to bet on it, but I have no idea which way I'm going, John. 
Well, it's interesting. You know, most of the pro fighters and coaches that I've talked to like Seattle Don. They feel like he is, if not the most skilled UFC heavyweight they've ever seen, certainly he comes close. Now, granted, he was 3-0 and when he made his UFC debut. He's now 10-0, and perfect 7-0 and in the UFC. Um, but it took Francis Ngannou 13 fights to realize a UFC heavyweight championship. So in terms of the strengths of the schedule and the experience, you know, you'd have to say that Ngannou has advantages there. Ngannou's the scariest power puncher that I have ever seen. But we have seen line movement towards Seattle Gan. And again, most of the folks that I consider to be sharp minds are picking Seattle Gan to win. So I expect two-way action right up until fight time. You know, I feel like as Ngannou creeps up around plus 140, you know, he like walks into you wrong and he knocks you out. Some people are going to start seeing some value on the Ngannou side in that plus 140 range. But in terms of pure mixed martial arts skill and acumen, um, I would say advantage got. You, uh, I mean, nobody's seen more fights than you uh, that close. Can you describe what it's like when you see Francis Ngannou do what he does to other people? It's a good question. So as a play-by-play guy, I watch the monitor 90% of the time because that is what is being distributed to the masses back home. So if I'm watching the octagon and I'm calling out strikes, it might not necessarily jive with what you're seeing at home. The one guy I have no choice but to cheat that with is Francis Ngannou because he's a specimen and a freak unlike anything that I've ever seen in an octagon before. You know, Anthony Rumble Johnson used to be the standard for me in in terms of pure power with strikes, kicking, and punching. And now Francis Ngannou is that guy. You know, we talk a lot about Derek Lewis's power as the most decorated knockout artist in UFC history, at least on paper. Um, But the way Francis knocks people out, it's just scary right? Like I keep trotting out this line about the stretcher in advance of this fight as I'm doing media, but it's like when Francis fights, you want to know where the stretcher is, you know? Uh, He's an absolute freak. And um, there's nothing quite like a Conor McGregor pay-per-view in sports for me. And Francis Ngannou is a pretty close second, right? There's just a special quality to fight night when he's the last guy to make the walk. Speaking of like the theater of it, there is a lot of drama that is surrounding the Francis thing with uh, the negotiations and him having his eye on boxing. How much do you think that's going to maybe affect him going into this? It just feels like he's carrying a lot of outside-the-cage stuff going in, the future of his career, flirting with Tyson Fury. And then on the other side of the octagon, he also is a very, very good fighter in Cyril Gaon. So is there any party that worries about Francis having too much going into this as far as carrying uh, outside-the-cage weight? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot on his plate. There's no doubt about it. I don't worry too much about the contractual pressure. I mean, you've heard me sort of wax poetic about all that he brings to the table. I think he's going to realize millions of dollars, and I hope that that happens in the UFC. I think the real rub and the real angle for this fight is the emotion surrounding fighting a former teammate like this for the first time. He's fighting Sidogan. He has trained with Sidogan. Sidogan's head coach, Fernand Lopez, used to be the chief corner for Francis Ngannou. So this has an emotional backdrop to it that previous fights haven't had, And you kind of parlay that with sort of what you were alluding to, just all of Gon's ability and everybody talking about his hype and Gon's the favorite. I mean, you can be sure that even if Nganu's not looking at the betting line or listening to BetQL, you know, somebody's going to ask him about being a betting underdog. So there's a lot on his plate, but I don't think he worries too much about fighting out his contract or or any of that noise. I think most of it's centered on Cito Gon and, and the matchup and all that comes with that we got the voice of the UFC here on the BetQL Network. John Anik joins Tapped Out. 
John, what does this mean for John? What happens if John Jones after this fight says, okay, yeah, now I'm ready to come back. If it's in Ghana, if it's gone, does it make a difference? And does he get a chance at the belt right away? Well, I don't know what John Jones would say in terms of which matchup he would prefer. Uh, certainly the Nganu fight is the bigger fight for John Jones, but I think Jones's rooting interest would be Nganu because I think that would be cleaner, right? If Ciro Gan beats Nganu, depending on how the fight goes, maybe there's an immediate rematch potentially because Gan enters this one as the interim champion. So I think of the undisputed, I guess undisputed maybe has an asterisk because there is an interim champion, but Nganu's the champ right now. If he wins, it's cleaner. John Jones could in theory challenge for the belt. You know, I think for Stipe Miocic, you know, he'll factor in this equation as well. You know, I think for him, maybe he should be rooting for Cito Gan, and in theory, Gan turns around and defends the belt quickly in three months, potentially against Stipe. Who knows what could happen? Um, but I think those are your two most interested observers with respect to Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis and everybody else. Um, I think the next fight up, if you don't get a rematch, is going to be Stipe or John Jones. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.